Hello, I'm Will Yeoman and welcome to another episode of the Pod Well Travelled. I'm joined today by travel editor Stephen Scarfield and travel journalist and photographer Moens Johansson. Gentlemen, welcome to the pod. Thank you very much. Excellent. So we've got a lot lined up for you today. Later on in the show, we'll be talking to Stephen. Well, Stephen Scarfield's going to be talking to Grady Brand uh, as a second episode in our little series we're running um, from Carrara. And we're also going to talk to aviation editor Jeffrey Thomas, who's got a fantastic cover story in the Saturday's uh, travel section of the West Australian, if you uh, do indeed follow that particular publication, either online or in print. But, uh, Stephen, can you just tell us what you're going to be talking to Grady about this morning? Yes, well, we're out at um, Carrara Rangeland Park, which is uh, north of Perth, you know, here in West Australia, mm. in the heart of the wildflower season. In fact, we, we were there just a few days ago, and it was really the peak of the season. That's just sort of east, northeast of Perenjuri, really, um, east of Morrowa, that sort of wildflower country. Um, it's funny, I've, I've been having some correspondence from people on the road there and you know who are, who are sort of driving by and not seeing very much so we do recommend just getting onto the Kachana track or heading in a little bit further into the western part of that Carrara Rangeland Park. Um, Grady and I were there together um, and we're talking really about the human history as well there's there's lots of signs mm. of that as much as the mm. wildflowers I mean we we had carpets of wildflowers um, and but interlaced with that is is the story of the place. It was six stations, six very historic mm. stations: mm. Thundalara, Waradar, Kajigaji, and so on. They were all very important um, stations out there, and putting them into conservation, taking them out of production, uh, particularly with goats, which were very hard on the country, is also an interesting sort of um, pivotal moment, I suppose, in our understanding of or re-understanding of the, the Western Australian landscape, um, that some areas just start to are fragile. You know, even if they look tough and prickly and rocky, they're still fragile. And that's mm. really what's happened oh, there. Sa- sa- sounds like Moen. Prickly and fragile. I couldn't resist that one, sorry. sorry. I, I, I would have said he's mellow and robust. <laughs> That's a much more complimentary. No, thank you, Stephen. It was good. an awkward silence when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> you had to think. You're thinking on your feet this morning, as you always do. Very, very good. So, look, let's just stick into the main topic for this morning, and then, and then we'll um, go to that interview you just mentioned, and then we'll come back to talk to Moens about wildflower photography. But, Stephen, the way things are shaping up at the moment in travel, what's going right and what's still going wrong? What do, what do <laughs> potential tourists need to be aware of? And I've got Jetstar sitting somewhere in my head at yeah, the moment sure. as well. Well, it's about as patchy as the wildflowers, let's put it like that. It, it kind of reminds me <laughs> of that. Right. You know, if you're lucky, you'll see carpets of everything. And if you're not, you'll, you'll just have a rocky old time, I suppose. Um, yes, yes. It's just, it is patchy. I mean, look, Moan's... Moans can speak to this too. I mean, Moans has just been to Europe and back without a problem. I think he's pretty much, apart from waiting for a few bags at this end, I think that's right, isn't it, yeah, Moans? Yeah, that's, tr- that's true. I mean, you know, I've been to Europe a couple of times without problems. Jeffrey's just, you know, he's been all over the place. He went to Farnborough and this mm. and that without problems. Mm. So if you keep it simple and it works, it's, it's just like it's always been. Um, for example, mm. you know, I just went, flew into Nice. Um, came up through France, flew back from Paris, no problems at all. Um, but then by the same 
in the same breath, we've got people sort of stuck in South America who've turned up for flights with boarding passes, been told they haven't got a seat even though they've got a boarding pass because it's overbooked. Mm. Mm. Next available flight might be 10 days. Um, we've had this situation with Jets. Oh, Jets, you know, they've, they've been hammered. They had a bird strike and they've had, you know, they had to have a part trucked right across the USA and all sorts of other problems. Mm. So they've been mm. hit by a little perfect storm there. Um, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that it's, it's still disrupted and if it works it's great but there is a higher percentage that you might run into a problem i think international generally is is much better than than we think you know mm. um and certainly the domestic scene is really ironing out you know things are improving mm. i mean when we're not we haven't got the same story today as we had three weeks ago say with domestic where it was just an absolute mess really you know there were just there were so many problems everywhere um so it's just it's, it's weird patchy coming back <clears throat> some airlines the airlines which kept staff on you know and you can look at singapore airlines emirates doha you know uh, qatar you know pretty well flew through flying freight repatriation vaccines so if they kept flying they hit the ground running i mean singapore airlines is a very good example they when they restarted they still had 17 flights a week to perth so all you got to do is put passengers on them um if mm. you're a Qantas, which you know people working in coal stood down and then laid off i mean trying to recruit at the moment is is you know, very tough for everyone. I was just talking to a recruiter mm. who said mm. he's 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 now resorting to the mirror method. Mm. And I said, oh, do you recruit people who look like you? And he said, no, you hold a mirror in front of them. If they can fog it up, you employ them. So, you know, it's it's that desperate in some industries. Yeah. Um, so what, what there is another side to this, isn't it? And you and I talked about this briefly yesterday. And this is the rising costs of uh, fuel and so forth versus the rising costs of just living. And I mean, as a personal example, my um, interest out of my mortgage has been going up on a weekly basis, which has never happened before. Yes, it's, it's unbelievable. It's exactly right. It's we as we as we talked about it. It's it's such. This is more complexity where. Yeah, the fuel price is going up, so airfares are going up. Um, I mean, if you're going to go anywhere, buy your ticket today because it won't get any cheaper. Um, mm. There's only one direction that's going to head, you know, over the foreseeable future for all the complex reasons around the world that we know, you know, fuel supplies, um, all sorts of supply issues in various industries. It all just conglomerates into into cost, you know. Um, and as you say, for if you're a, you know, if your mortgage is, is marching up and your super is marching down, and any shares you've got to fall, you know, yesterday just about got smashed to pieces again. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it looks really tough, you know, and the next 12, 24 months look really tough. By the same, <laughs> in the same breath, once again, if you're a retiree in your I'm going to pick numbers here late 60s mm. thinking well travel insurance is also a big issue you know and over 70 there's a big step when you go over 70 with travel insurance it is much more expensive if you go over 80 it is 
very much more expensive and quite difficult, you know. So travel insurance has become, it's available for everything. It's available for COVID cover. They've all got that now, pretty well all got that now. But the Mm. cost is a factor. So if you're in your late 60s and you've had the last three years, you know, you promised yourself you were going to travel. You retired at 65. You're now 68. You haven't spent your travel budget for the last three years. What's going to stop you? You know, I mean, you're going to go. So Mm. um, because it won't get any better than this as well so yeah it's it's really interesting i mean over the weekend i was chatting with several people one person just back walking in the lofferton islands then went on to ireland uk luxembourg another couple just going london corfu copenhagen you know people out traveling certainly in that you know newly retired bracket are not going to wait so Mm. um you know and then we've got we've just been we've just recosted a trip to africa six times you know and it's coming much more expensive than than we'd thought so because for example an internal flight in in southern africa which was 150 dollars before covid is now 750 dollars so it's it's all just kind of feels pretty crazy, <laughs> but yeah. And what, what you going? Yeah, sorry. Was, but having said that, if the proposition is to go to fly to France, get on a river cruise, mm. fly back from, have a couple mm. of days in Paris, and fly back, it's absolutely fine. Moans, it, yeah, no, you know, that's a fair point. Moans flew to um, Venice, flew back from Athens, it's fine, you know. So mm. yeah, it's kind of weird, weird times, aren't they? The uh, I mean I guess before we leave the subject the the other another side of a coin can you have three sides in a coin well yes you can um, <laughs> the new we, we can. the new <laughs> we can we can do anything the new tourism WA um, campaign just uh, I think it's being launched today Empire of the Suns walking on a dream is used in that I, I'm just interested about this whole idea of marketing Western Australia to the world which is of course a great idea but a lot of people in the rest of the world actually can't afford to get here at the moment because they're too worried about paying their gas bills. Yeah, it's long haul, isn't it? It's, you know, we're, we, are, we, are the, we are the definition of long haul. Um, you know, we're the last stop on the bus route. And, um, I mean, d- despite having direct flights from London, I mean, look, one of the disgraces of this place is that there's no flight to Uluru. There's not even a flight to Alice Springs now. To get to Alice Springs, you've got to go through... Melbourne as as I'm going to find out tomorrow. Actually, out actually, tomorrow? Actually, I mean, actually, I'm going via Adelaide, which is not quite Adelaide. so bad. But I mean, it's an absolute yes. disgrace. You've got no, direct flight in here from London. You should be able to fly to Uluru as you used to fly to Uluru with Qantas. Mm, you mm. know, if, if you're going to really market it as a destination, people aren't going to just come to Perth. I mean, it, <laughs> they're just not. You want to fly onto Uluru, the Reef, the Opera House. Mm. Absolutely. Back out through See Perth. the sites. If, you, if so, you're going to come this far, you'd be wanting to do yeah, everything We've, you can we've do. got such a disconnect with Central Australia mm. that I say it's just mm. disgraceful. So, yeah, you know, it's a song and, yeah, that's all good. <laughs> to, to compete in the world, to compete in the world as an international destination, you need to throw so much money at it, so much money, mm. because everybody's doing this. I, you know, I sit in a... You know, I sit with an inbox with three to four hundred emails a day and everyone from Nebraska to Alaska to, you know, 
Nairobi. To, I mean, everyone's doing this. Everybody's trying to get their tourism back. San Francisco. Mm. I mean, you name it. Um, and some countries and regions and cities are throwing huge amounts of money at it. So everyone's competing. And we're competing in a world that's now very, very busy. And as you say, and pretty nervy, you know, for long mm. haul. Um, mm. Uh, mm. You know, that's uh, VFR, visiting friends and relatives will will keep us, you know, it's very important to, to Western Australia. Um, so there'll be people coming in and out for sure. But... Um, so it's a tricky time to launch an in, to, to be fighting an international campaign. I think. Indeed. Well, watch this space. Okay. Well, look. Let, let's you know take us to more more um, pleasant climbs, and we'll join you and Grady at Carrara. We're uh, walking along in Mulga country here in Western Australia on a red sandy track red dirt track uh, with old fence posts I'm just watching these there's one, two, three, four, five holes augured through these sort of jam posts uh, on what was an old station so there are six stations here in uh, Carrara Rangeland Park which have been sort of decommissioned and turned into this park for us to visit and camp in and enjoy the wildflowers but there's a real sense of history. I like being in station country. I'm here with Grady Brand, who's our interpreter of the landscape, this West Australian landscape, and particularly its flora, but also its, its human history. And I'm just looking at these posts here, and uh, there's certainly a bit of history just in the fence posts, isn't there, Grady? There are. So a number of the, the wattles, you know, famously the jam wattle, which is Acacia acuminata, uh, that has been used uh, for widespread, but in this sort of country, it's a combination of uh, just a, a mulga, acacia anura, that is also used, and those timbers are steel-like, really, and uh, the the effort that has been gone into these posts to drill those holes, to me, sort of shows that somebody dug very deep to make that all happen. Yeah, I mean, you've cut the post, you've selected the tree, cut the post, augured these, drilled these five holes by hand, dug your hole, and these things are still standing, you know, decades and decades later. Of course, we're quite near the rabbit-proof fence, um, which which has a lot of these jam posts. So this was the longest fence on earth when it was built, stopped to built to stop the rabbits coming from the east as they came in a great surge there's a royal commission and alfred wernham canning was given the task of putting in the line for this and of course with those posts as well and i think we've seen some old ones up by the boar up here up yeah. at uh gunaburabur um they had to be there was a a contract, you know, they had to have a certain number of holes in, they had to be a certain distance in the ground, and then the mesh on them had to be bitumenized at the bottom and in the ground for nine inches. You just, I just can't imagine the work in even bitumenizing something on, on site in the in the bush here. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, when you actually ever try and uh, cut that timber or drill drill a hole yourself, you certainly see how hard and how ancient those timbers are. And in these landscapes where the the rainfall is spasmodic, 
um, these timbers you know grow according to those seasons and it it increases their density and uh, their hardwood characteristics and as we all know the greatest fire to sit around is one that is uh, fueled by mulga timber yeah because we're looking at the track here so we've got the fence posts and the fence line and the track here as i say this station now is no longer a working station it's run by under the auspices of the parks and wildlife at the end there we've got the mill and the tank which is sort of turned off now but i like that i like being on station country particularly because it's coming back i mean the change in this place is amazing to me yeah i suppose you know the hills that were heavily predated on by the goats which really ravaged those particularly the rocky uh, country because that's the goat territory that they really love and around the boars where the heavy compaction but yeah as stephen's saying that these areas are in full bloom and there is regeneration happening which is one of the amazing things with the West Australian flora because the seed bank is such, has such longevity. And you just have to take out those elements that bring their demise and let it just uh, reinvent itself and, and come back. Yeah. You might have heard a few birds in the background. Uh, we've, the bird life this morning was fantastic. In fact, next week, I think I might, if you stay tuned to the podcast next week, I'm going to try and record a bit of the dawn for, for next week's show. Um, the country's coming back. I'm just looking at some really big roo prints. We've had emu prints. And it's just a, f- a feeling this place is, is doing well again. It's so exciting, isn't it? It is. It's, uh, you know, I suppose that other... A fun thing about you know these areas as they come back they help to clean the environment and you know sequest carbon and turn the air back into air that we all love to breathe yeah well last night uh, it was just amazing night because it was completely still not a breath of wind and it was so quiet i got up in the night and it was just silent it was very eerie for us from the city well for me from the city to to be in this really silent completely still moment was very precious so Carrara Rangeland Park you won't have the pleasure probably being with Grady Brand thanks for joining us and thanks for camping we're having a ball here we're going to have some a good dinner tonight and sit out under the stars like last night thanks Grady thank you Stephen That sounds amazing, Stephen. Now, I just wanted to, to, to take this to Moens now because not unrelatedly wildflowers, but particularly photographing wildflowers. Yes. Um, I, guess, uh, I guess, I mean, just listening to what's, uh, what's up there at Carrara, uh, uh, I think, you know, when you're in particular when you're in a place like that, I mean, the tips to sort of have a, a successful set of pictures is to... You know, first of all, make sure you get that, you know, the big scene. You've got to show where you are and uh, that's, that, that, uh, that goes for whether you're up in Kings Park or Wireless Hill or, or out at Carrara or at Araloon, wherever you might be. I mean, you want the, the scene setter to show where mm-hmm. you are. But uh, from there on in, you know, I guess it depends on, on, on what you're interested in. But, I mean, to get up close, I think, is the... the the biggest thing uh, about wildfire photography 
and uh, you know a lot of people you know tend to sort of shoot way too loose to use a, a photographer's term uh, you okay. need, just need to get in nice and tight uh, and it means getting down on your hands and knees and uh, uh, you know get as close as you possibly can with your with your lens or uh, you know if if you use your smartphone you know you can generally speaking get get nice and close um, and I think you know that's the that's the key thing but you know beyond that you know the, you know thinking about uh, you know composition uh, the point of view I mean some flowers like you know daisy type flowers you know they look great from from the top looking down but you know there are many other other flowers like orchids that you know look better side on or front on uh, mm. so so to think about that that point of view uh, is is really important when you when you get close um, and also you know think about uh, backgrounds and uh, and and you know distracting objects that might be in the background so you know sometimes in particular when you're shooting detail shots you can sort of gently push things out of the way and uh, and sort of tidy up the, the frame of uh, or what's in the frame so that's definitely worth doing in particular when you find sort of a you know if you find a, a beautiful looking orchid and uh, you know this they can be difficult to find so you want to make sure that, mm. that you get the best possible picture of it, and and uh, you know the point of view, and and tidying up what's what's in your field of view is is important. I think you know think about the lighting. You know, is it is it better if I go around and shoot slightly into the light to get a nice even light on the flower, or is it uh, does it look good in in full sun? You know, it's it, there, there's a lot of little sort of things that that it pays just to, to pay attention to when you're when you're shooting that sort of macro uh, mm. photography. I know, absolutely. So Stephen, you're obviously an accomplished photographer as well. Um, anything you would like to add to that? No, I think Moans is, Moans is the man. He's, he's, <laughs> he's got all that sorted out. I must say that the... Um, um, I've been having this conversation with readers lately. The, the, the next... You know, I can't wait to get the next phone... You know, and uh, whereas people might be reluctant to buy the next phone, you know, oh, my phone's fine. Um, you know, the advancements in phones, even just just with my iPhone between the, the 13 Pro and the 12 Pro, of course, is the macro. And it's fantastic. You know, I mean, yeah. the macro mm. in the 13 is amazing. Mm. So um, macro for me this year has kind of changed my flower photography, having having access to that, which I didn't have with the, the previous phone. So... Mm. Um, I'll sort of add that into it. And I did notice one of our readers sent some pictures in. He had obviously taken a um, a piece of probably charcoal card. It wouldn't need it to be very big, you know, just sort of, you know, um, 20 centimetres by 10 centimetres just to hold behind the flower because he's obviously interested in just the flower and not the context. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Which is another, mm. you know, if you've got a bit of matte dark colored card to provide a background then that's another thought if you're really interested just in the flower forms as in isolation yeah, i mean if, if if you are interested in that sort of things there's it can be as simple as as uh, you know just a, a a piece of cardboard you know in yeah. particular if you have one where it's <clears throat> perhaps 
dark on on uh, one side and and white on the other because then yeah, you oh, can that's use a good idea, yeah. as well, isn't it? That's a good idea. Mm. We could just yeah, take a lawnmower so. and clean up around it. And... <laughs> <laughs> that's a little plastic. <laughs> that was that was just. And a you joke. make it. Into a bit of <laughs> <laughs> I was just just a bad joke. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, good, but the, I mean, the, the other, white, the other yeah, the white like, and white and dark card. That's a really good idea, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the other thing is, is uh, you know, when you're when you're in close, I mean, the the latest iPhone, as you mentioned, uh, for example, you know, can focus right down to two centimeters, which is amazing. But but then you sort of sometimes run into the problem that you know the uh, you, you're blocking out the light on the flower and uh, so on. Uh, so you know, think about also using the different focal lengths. You know, don't, you don't always shoot just with the wide angle lens. You know, you can use the uh, you know the portrait lens or even portrait mode to sort of help uh, blur out the the background a little bit and uh, so that's that's another good effect uh, that you can use but yeah certainly think of of using uh, you know the, the the longer focal lengths uh, for for uh, wildflower photography as well because it just allows you that little bit of space between the camera and the and the flower yeah it's a good point Mm, well, thank you so much, gentlemen. So let, let's go now to our aviation editor, Jeffrey Thomas, just to switch back to our previous topic about uh, travelling, and particularly air travelling. As promised, we're talking to travel uh, writer and aviation editor, Jeffrey Thomas. Um, and Jeffrey, you've got a fantastic story coming up in the Saturday's travel section of the West Australian. Look, indeed, Will. We're, we're looking at... Um, Great flights, epic flights, amazing flights, um, and uh, and uh, we sort of start off with one of the greatest flights of all time, uh, Charles Lindbergh, uh, epic thirty-three mm. and a half hour solo flight from New York to Paris in nineteen twenty-seven, and that flight electrified the United States, electrified the world about what could be achieved, um, mm. and uh, and we sort of segue then into. Uh, the longest flight in the world today, which is Singapore Airlines non-stop Singapore to New York, and do a sort of a light-hearted comparison uh, between uh, the battle that Charles Lindbergh had and the battle that passengers today have, choosing, oh, you know, different uh, main courses, different entertainment, uh, different wines, and um, in, in a light-hearted way we, we make a, a comparison. And then we move on to... Um, some of the different flights that one can do um, today, like the Perth-London one, which is, uh, well, the Perth-London one uh, in 19, the 1930s was the 37-stop 10-day epic, and we and we look at that and compare it to the now 17-hour flight uh, from Perth to London. And we also look, mm. for instance, at the um, famous Catalina flying boats that flew between mm. Perth and Colombo in the Second World War, 28-hour flight, um, sometimes up to 33-hour flight uh, in radio silence, celestial navigation, um, and uh, an amazing record um, of uh, 271 crossings carrying 858 passengers, more than a million miles without a single accident. Extraordinary feat. And that's where the, the uh, flying kangaroo, the, 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 uh, the, hot, the, the engineers... Uh, labelled this as 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 oh. uh, um, a hop, but you know, and and that's okay. and that's how the name stuck. 
uh, they call it the kangaroo, the kangaroo route. Um, and uh, that name was given by the engineers. Uh, by the, and by the way, one of my one of my relatives, my uncle, my late uncle John, he was one of those engineers, um, oh. and he actually got me into aviation as a as a young kid. Um, so um, yeah, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a link there. Um, and then we sort of move on to the uh, Antarctic flight. So there's lots in there. There's lots in there. It sounds like you've taken over the whole edition, but I'm sure that's not quite the case. No, I don't think, I don't think <laughs> Stephen would ever let me do that. <laughs> <laughs> An air travel special. No, yeah. indeed. Now, look, you know, before um, we were talking to you, mm. uh, Stephen and Moens and I were talking about some of the concerns with the with the price rises. Because yeah. Obviously, there's a lot, and there are a lot of a lot of reasons for that. It's not just about increased price in fuel. It's also um, that people can actually probably not quite afford what they used to be able to because the cost of living is skyrocketing as well. Look, there are so many. Imp- you're absolutely right. There are so many impacts at the moment on on air travel. Um, I mean, a lot of the focus is on uh, Alan Joyce, and he's sort of the the face of Qantas and the and the face of the mm. problem. Extremely unfair. And it's not correct. Mm. Um, but look, there are so many impacts uh, with the cost of living because of the Ukraine, Russian, the Russian invasion of Ukraine has sent the whole world upside down. Um, and of course, we're also coming out of COVID. So there's so many issues that are impacting on inflation uh, and the, you know, the overall cost of living. Um, mm. And the other thing is uh, there's big capacity problems too. And so... The, when, when you've got a, a, an excess of capacity, which is what we had going into COVID, there's lots of mm. cheap seats. Um, at the moment, there's just no capacity at all, and that manifests itself in higher fares because, you know, the last mm. few seats on the plane are the most expensive. If you, sure. if you can book far enough ahead, there are still terrific deals to be had. You, you're planning mm. for 2023, book your seat now because um, there's still great deals. You know, it may be a little bit more expensive than it was pre-COVID, but not much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the that's the whole thing now is long-term planning. And the other thing too, Will, is to take out comprehensive insurance to make sure that if something goes awry, uh, you're covered. And a lot of people are not doing that. Mm. Yeah, no, no, there is yeah. just so much going on at the moment, and I guess that's that's what we were talking about too. Is, um, yeah, it's still a bit of a, a, a bumpy ride. Look, there, look, there is a bit of a bumpy ride, and there's a bumpy ride everywhere at the moment. But yes, mm. but with a bit of planning, a little bit of planning, you know, a bit of foresight, uh, look ahead, you can still get some terrific deals. Um, and uh, uh, and I've been doing a lot of research into this, and uh, you know, I'm surprised how good the fares are. Uh, early mm. into next year, thinking, wow, these these fares are okay. Um, because the other thing is airlines want uh, want that money. They want that money to bolster their, uh, their, oh, their coffers. So they're offering some great deals further out. Um, so, you know, take advantage of it. Same with cruising. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some terrific deals mm. in cruising further out too. No, it makes absolute sense. Mm. Well, Jeffrey, it's, it's always a pleasure talking to you in the pod well travelled. Thanks for that update. Uh, looking forward to reading your story in the Saturday's West and um, looking forward to catching up and on. Pleasure, Will. Wow, now, Stephen, um, there's so much in that story, isn't there? Yep. Yes, he has done a great job. Um, you know, we're so fortunate. Jeffrey is, is, you know, I'm sure the most awarded aviation editor, aviation writer in the world, and to have him uh, on our team is is pretty special. He just knows this stuff inside out.
Okay, guys. Well, thanks so much again for joining us on the Pod Well Travelled. Um, looking forward to catching up next week, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a fantastic glossy publication as well, which we won't say anything more about just yet. We'll, we'll keep you in suspense. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. Thanks. We'll have a good Indeed. trip. Indeed. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.